When you stop and think about all that's going on today in the good old USA, you might think that there are only two sides to every story. With over 330 million citizens, there are actually many more sides to our American story. On this program, I provide you with a different point of view. Mine. This is The Truth Hurts, a program where I exercise my First Amendment right to free speech by providing you with information. Hopefully, you will absorb this knowledge, stop, and actually think about the issues, the facts, and the general state of our American story. I'm Steve Z, and this is the Truth Hurts Program. Good afternoon, everybody. It is the afternoon edition of the Truth Hurts program with your host, Steve Z. It is October 29th, Thursday, the day after Zeta, the hurricane, made landfall on southeast Louisiana. Folks are still cleaning up. The power's still out in many areas, but the show must go on as I have power thanks to my Generac 22KW whole house generator. Keeps the entire studio well lit climate-controlled and ready to bring the truth to you. And there's nothing more true than the warning I'm about to give. There are riots planned for next week, according to Antifa. Planned for November 4th, the day after the elections, if Trump wins. In Phoenix, Arizona, Carlsbad, California, Monterey and Newberry Park in California, And let's see, several other cities listed. Hanford, California, Solvang, California. In Colorado, it's Colorado Springs. And in Connecticut, it's Barkhamstead and Manchester. In Florida, Merritt Island, Middleburg, Palm Coast, St. John, St. Augustine. Griffin, Georgia. Bonners Ferry, Idaho. Oakland Park, Illinois. Bossier City and Shreveport, Louisiana. Lexington Park, Upper Marlboro, Williamsburg, Maryland, Dearborn Heights and Lake Orion in Michigan, Bellevue, Nebraska, Reno, Nevada, Farmington, New Mexico, Fayetteville and New Bern, North Carolina, Minot, North Dakota, Newport, Rhode Island, Charleston and Daniel Island in South Carolina, Rapid City, South Dakota, Burke, Chesapeake, Norfolk, Springfield, and Suffolk, Virginia, along with Virginia Beach. And in the state of Washington, of course, Seattle, Cheney, Colton, Spokane, and Anacortes. This, according to a tweet, JoJo at Adjunct Professor. That ought to be interesting. To know that an adjunct professor is one of those leading the charge, according to a Twitter feed, saying that on the day after Election Day, those are the cities where Antifa has planned riots. Shout out to my friend John Cook at Track Day Winner TDW Motorsports Operations in Georgia, who is recovering from a really, really bad case of pneumonia. He says he may have had COVID or the flu. He's just not quite sure. He had all the classic symptoms of the flu. 
Who knows? Wish you well there, Big John. And speaking of TDW Motorsports, this weekend is going to be the big event at the NCM Motorsports Park in Bowling Green, Kentucky. Racing motorcycles on the very same track they used to test out the new mid-engine Corvette. Unfortunately, I will not be able to attend that event. And then the NCM Motorsports Motorcycle Year wraps up at Carolina Motorsports Park for the last big event of the season next weekend, I believe that is. Anywho, enough about motorcycles. The weather's perfect in Louisiana today. If you can dodge the tree limbs and such, the high today is probably only going to reach the mid-70s, but the sun is out and there's a northwesterly breeze blowing in. Total change from the 80 degrees, 90% relative humidity, 115 mile an hour onslaught of Hurricane Zeta less than 24 hours ago. And speaking of Hurricane Zeta, St. Bernard Parish sits to the south of New Orleans and along Louisiana Highway 46 there are areas of that parish in Louisiana that are not protected by the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers levee system, which runs up and down both sides of the Mississippi River. But when you get to a point south of New Orleans, south of Chalmette, Violet, and Miro, Louisiana, it becomes pretty sparsely populated. People south of the actual flood walls, the control gates, usually drag their boats, their travel trailers and their equipment trailers and such northward through the flood protection gates inside the levee protection system and park them on the very wide shoulder of LA Highway 46. I'm looking at a Fox 8 New Orleans reporter, Rob Krieger, who posted a video showing that about 40% of all of those trailers, some including tractor trailer type trailers, refrigerated seafood trailers, box trailers, boats, travel trailers, fifth wheels, toy haulers, lying over on their sides because the wind came in and blew them over. They brought them inland in case of a massive storm surge, which never occurred, and the wind got them instead. For many of these people, it may have been better to leave their trailers, their campers, their RVs, their boats, in their places south of the levee protection system anchored in place because as I'm looking now many of these trailers these vehicles these boats have been flipped over and are now lying on the side of highway 46 the Louisiana Renaissance Festival which I had spoken about in programs earlier in the month is going to be allowed to open this November much to my happiness, because we have plans to disperse some of my son Jonathan's ashes there on the festival grounds as one of his last requests. And nothing spells Renaissance Festival better than hearing about an eight-year-old girl pulling a 1,500-year-old sword from a lake. An eight-year-old found a pre-Viking-era sword while swimming in a lake in Sweden during the summer. The sword is initially reported to be over a thousand years old, but experts in a local museum 
believe it may date to around 1500 years ago. It's not every day that you step on a sword in a lake, said Michael Nordstrom from the museum. The level of water was extremely low at that time, owing to a drought, which is probably why the young eight-year-old girl uncovered the ancient weapon. She said, I felt something in the water, and I lifted it up, and then there was a handle, and I went to tell my dad that it looked like a sword. Saga's father told the English-language website The Local that he initially thought his daughter had found an unusual stick or a branch in the water. It was only after he asked a friend to take a closer look that he discovered it was likely to be an ancient relic. That local museum, which is now preserving the historic item, said it was extremely well-preserved in the non-salty waters. That discovery by the eight-year-old girl has led the museum and the local council to carry out further excavations at the site. They found a third-century brooch and other items. Pretty good for a little eight-year-old girl. Does this mean she truly is the king, or would that be queen? This is the Truth Hurts program. You are listening to the Truth Hurts program with Steve Z. Once in a while, I like to entertain my listeners with conversations about the famed and fabled Florida Man. In a report from Davie, Florida, a man was mauled by a captive black leopard in a backyard zoo in South Florida, according to wildlife officials. This man, Florida Man, paid $150 for, quote, a full contact experience with a black leopard, unquote which allowed him to play with it, rub its belly, and take pictures. A report by the Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission says the incident happened August 31st in Davie near Fort Lauderdale, Florida. The agency charged the owner of the animal with allowing full contact with an extremely dangerous animal, and he was cited for maintaining captive wildlife in an unsafe condition. The owner runs a licensed animal sanctuary for rare and endangered animals at his home. The man was attacked as soon as he entered the leopard's enclosure. The injuries were so severe that his scalp was literally hanging from his head. Ouch! And his right ear was torn in half. Ouch! 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 Requiring multiple surgeries. Ouch! Well, boys and girls... Have we learned anything yet? Ouch. Wild animals act wild even if they're not in the wild. Common sense is lacking. This is the Truth Hurts program with Steve Z. According to Louisiana Congressman and House Minority Whip Steve Scalise, the Justice Department has now sent letters to New York and New Jersey demanding that their nursing homes turn over COVID data and that the state turn over nursing home COVID data. Thousands of seniors were killed by those policies in which Governor Andrew Cuomo sent COVID-positive elderly patients into nursing homes that had no COVID-positive cases, causing the deaths of many senior citizens. Governor Cuomo and Governor Murphy of New Jersey have refused thus far to give Congress the information that was requested. Why not send an official subpoena would be my question. Back to Hurricane Zeta for just a moment. I noticed last night a notably missing thing on all of the weather and news 
reports from the local television stations and even some of the national weather outlets. Nobody was wearing a magic mask. I guess the hurricane blew the COVID away. Channel 4, 6, 8, and 26 in New Orleans, the ABC, CBS, NBC, and Fox affiliates had no masks on most of their reporters and no one in the field to whom they were interviewing were wearing masks either. Now, while Louisiana was undergoing the wrath of Hurricane Zeta, my good friends John and Jackie in Oklahoma were experiencing an ice storm. Yes, when less than 450 miles from Zeta's landfall, trees were snapping under the weight of ice from a sudden ice storm. 2020 is doing its part in racking up to be a really strange and unprecedented year. This is the Truth Hurts program with Steve Z. If I were a more famous radio talk show host on the conservative side, I'd be heralding trumpets right now as I announce the GDP, the gross domestic product of the United States of America, grew by a record 33.1% in the third quarter of the year 2020. You know, the year that the Democrats claim was destroyed by Donald Trump and his so-called mishandling of the Wuhan China novel coronavirus 2019? How, explain to me please, how an economy can grow by 33.1%. Oh, how I had wished it was 33.3, so we could say a full one-third. But hell, that's close enough. One-third. That's incredible. 33% growth in the gross domestic product by a president presiding over a global pandemic. I hope to God that people don't vote to blow up this economy that is currently recovering extremely well after a lockdown. One candidate wants to continue to help our economy grow, and that would be good for the stock market and the economy. The other candidate would consider a lockdown and be a bad option for our economy, our stock market, our 401ks, and the retirement accounts for millions and millions of Americans. Can you guess who? Hmm. Like I said, the best GDP growth ever. The U.S. economy grew by a record-shattering, not record-breaking. didn't just get right above the old record. It shattered the old record and rose to 33.1% higher in the last three months under Trump's phenomenal leadership and under Trump's constant badgering by the Democrats. Incredible. Now, I reported on this the other day, but I think it's worth re-mentioning. Can I change my vote searches spiked on Google search engine? Can I change my vote was trending on Google over the weekend following that second debate between Trump and Biden, as well as the new revelations involving Joe Biden and his son Hunter and the laptop debacle that mainstream media refuses to report on? Strongly trending Google since immediately after the second debate is, can I change my vote? This refers changing it to me. The answer in most states is yes, tweeted by President Trump on Tuesday. 
Go do it, he said. The most important election of your life. Can I Change My Vote became one of Google's top trends following the debate, as well as following reports and chatter involving the seized Hunter Biden laptop with all of its very damaging information. Professor Nick Floor tweeted, Did you hear that Can I Change My Vote is trending as a search term on Google? Started peaking right after the final debate, Hunter Biden controversy. This is why social media is trying so hard to censor. The professor also said, No, it is not every election this happens, contrary to what the correct the record mob is frantically trying to post. And this is the highest level ever for Can I Change My Vote inquiries. It's still climbing, by the way. Do you think that Facebook and Twitter, in light of the huge number of people searching for Can I Change My Vote, will post constant public service announcements with links showing users how to change their votes, like they're doing with their Get Out the Vote public service announcements? I think not. Social media platforms have indeed been engaging in heavy Get Out the Vote public service announcements in the past few weeks, targeted at specific groups of Americans, primarily the 13% AA-hyphenated American minority crowd, although they do not appear to be informing voters on how they can change their vote if they desire to do so. And if the searches are any indication, lots and lots of Americans who considered voting for Biden are likely wanting to change their vote now. Giving you all the ammunition you need to combat the non-informed liberals you meet every day. This coming weekend is Halloween, and you'll have to set your clocks for the end of daylight savings time. That means one extra hour of 2020. I don't know if I can handle it. If you have come here seeking liberal lies laced with socialist ideas and a communist agenda, you have indeed come to the wrong podcast. This is The Truth Hurts with Steve Z. Perhaps one of the last bastions of conservatism and common sense. Tune in and listen, if you dare. But be warned, you might learn something. In its continuous pandering to the 13% AA minority crowd who seems to gravitate towards supporting thugs and criminals instead of supporting law enforcement and supporting those law-abiding members of their own community. The family of the black man fatally shot by Philadelphia police this week, Walter Wallace Jr., has now reviewed all the available police body camera footage and have listened to all the available 911 recordings related to the incident, according to a family source. The emergency calls and body cam footage will be released to the public in the next few days, according to Philadelphia Police Commissioner Danielle Outlaw. Yes, the police commissioner's last name is Outlaw. Hmm. Telling, isn't it? She will also release a history detailing previous police responses to that particular home, she said. Sounds to me like that thug, criminal, animal has been in entanglements with the law before. Wallace, 27, was shot and killed Monday while holding a knife during a confrontation with police in West Philly. 
His family has said he suffers from bipolar disorder and was in crisis at the time of the shoe-in. Family attorney said Wallace was a mental health patient who was prescribed lithium. He probably sold it for some better drugs. Who knows? According to a CNN article, the police shooting has set off unrest in the city the past few nights. Stop. They incorrectly wrote the article, this, this particular line. It should say, the police shooting of a thug criminal with a knife has set off violence, riots, looting, arson, assault and battery, and destruction of property throughout the city of filthy Delphia the past few nights. With demonstrators marching in the streets and some incidents of looting, property destruction, and attacks on police officers. They make it sound like that's isolated. The whole damn city's on fire. Thousand or more people poured into shopping malls and systemically looted entire businesses of their entire inventory. Except, of course, work boots and work clothing. All that was left on the shelves. Go figure. A citywide curfew, which was ignored by most, went into effect from 9 p.m. to 6 a.m. and will be reevaluated daily, said the mayor, Democrat piece of garbage, Jim Kenney. Authorities are investigating what the two responding officers who didn't have tasers knew when they answered a call about a man with a knife. Okay, they didn't have tasers. Well, not my problem. Chief Outlaw, <laughs> freaking hilarious. Chief Outlaw said this investigation has many moving parts and we're working hard to ensure that a fair and thorough investigation takes place. Police said the incident started with a call about a man with a knife. Responding officers witnessed a male on the block. Immediately they noticed he had a knife in his possession and he was brandishing it and waving it erratically, according to Filthy Delphia Police Sergeant Eric Grip. Shaka Johnson, an attorney for Wallace's family, said relatives had made at least three calls to the authorities that day. The initial call was for an ambulance, he said, but police arrived first. It's unclear how many calls police responded to on Monday. What does that have to do with anything, CNN? At a Tuesday press conference, police officials did not answer questions about whether officers were there earlier in the day or had previously interacted with the thug criminal dead Mr. Wallace. They did not say what officers knew of the situation prior to arrival. Federal criminal indictments are expected to be announced Thursday, stemming from violent civil unrest in Philadelphia, according to a tweet by the U.S. Attorney for the Eastern District of Pennsylvania. Protests on Tuesday began as a large, peaceful march, but turned violent when the crowd came upon a group of police officers near the Philadelphia Police Department's 18th District. Protesters set cars on fire and dumpsters on fire, Chief Outlaw said, and officers were hit with bricks and something that appeared to be blood. Police are also investigating reports of Molotov cocktails being thrown before cocktail hour. 23 cops were injured responding to protests and looting from overnight incidents, according to Chief Outlaw. They were all treated and released from local hospitals. If I were those cops, I'd be out on workers' comp right now. 
Now, Outlaw said out of the thousands that were out there looting and creating havoc and rioting and committing arson and assault and battery and property destruction, 91 people were arrested, including 11 on charges of assaulting police and 76 for burglary. Pennsylvania National Guard members will guard businesses to prevent looting, but troops will not be deployed until later in the week. Well, that's real good. Get your looting out the way tonight, kids. The National Guard's coming. Morons. Former Philadelphia Police Commissioner Charles Ramsey told CNN's New Day the case is not as clear-cut as some other police shootings because Wallace, in this instance, was armed. Ramsey said, well, I mean, listen, you never want deadly force to be the outcome of any encounter, and I can see in the tape that they were backing up and so forth. At some point in time, the distance was beginning to close between themselves and the individual. Ramsey said the officers had only seconds to make crucial decisions. He continued, This is why it's so complicated, and this is why police need the adequate tools and training. But more importantly, there needs to be a beef-up of our mental health services, not only in Philly, but in cities around the country, so that police will not have to be dispatched. But having said that, I can't think of any mental professional that would have done this without calling 911 because the person was armed. You see, boys and girls, when police arrived at the man's house, Jaheem Simpson, who took video of the police shooting, you know, a guy who would rather hold his camera up than try and de-escalate a situation with someone he knows, Jaheem told a CNN reporter that a person who he later was told was Wallace's mother told police that Wallace had mental health issues. Jaheem Simpson said Wallace exited the house with a knife and everybody told him to put the knife down. Simpson said he saw officers pull their guns as soon as they saw the knife. Well, wouldn't you? The two officers can be seen in the video backing up as the thug criminal Wallace moves towards them. Multiple shots rang out as police fired, striking him. Sergeant Grip told a television station that an officer took Wallace into his police cruiser and took him to Presbyterian Hospital where he died. Mr. Wallace Sr., the venerable father of this thug criminal, told CNN, it could have been handled in a different way. It could have called a superior to handle a situation. You, Mr. Wallace, father of the thug Wallace, or a moron? Shaka Johnson, the attorney for the Wallace family, said that if the officers had had a less lethal option, the outcome could have been different. The officers did not have what they needed. There wasn't a less than lethal option available. They didn't have tasers. Johnson explained. A person is in mental decline and in crisis. Uh, Mr. Johnson, we're not talking about gropey Joe Biden here. We're talking about Wallace, the thug criminal. By the way, there are about 4,500 patrol officers on the Philadelphia police force, but the department only has 2,300 tasers, according to Chief Outlaw. The department gets $900,000 a year for tasers, and that's enough to buy a few hundred per year. Eh, I don't know about all that. I don't think they're that expensive, folks. What the conversation is today is how do we ensure we get enough tasers so that every officer, at least every officer that's working in operations, has a taser, Ms. Outlaw said. She said she feels the city is supportive of the goal. 
So let's break this down into logical English. Thug criminal who has had the cops called on him multiple times in the past comes out brandishing and wildly waving a knife at two police officers. The police officers are backing away. They're not advancing towards the man. They're backing away, demanding him to drop the knife. He continues to lunge forward. They deploy their pistols and they take this piece of trash off the streets. They're doing it to protect themselves because they, the police officers, don't want to go home carved up like Thanksgiving turkeys tonight. They don't want their blood on the sidewalk. They've done their job. If Mr. Wallace's loving, caring family cared so much, why didn't they have him committed to a mental facility? Why didn't they have him take his prescribed lithium? If he was off his meds, why did they not tell that to the 911 dispatcher? Do you really honestly think sending a guidance counselor down to speak to Mr. Wallace would have resulted in him simply dropping the knife and ending his mental breakdown? Or are you really that stupid? The cops protected themselves from an attack by a man with a knife. That's the bottom line. And Mr. Wallace is now quite dead. It's a truth, an ugly truth, and sometimes the truth hurts. Your teller of truth, your facilitator of fact, your communicator of common sense. Here he is, ladies and gentlemen, Steve Z. With regard to that thug criminal Wallace who was killed by two Philadelphia police officers after brandishing a knife and advancing towards those officers, why was this not treated as an act of terrorism? But Steve, it doesn't rise to the definition of terrorism. Listen, folks, if someone is terrorized, look up the definition of terrorism. If someone is terrorized, it is terrorism. Case in point, the New York Slimes, Constant Mayo, and Aurelian Breeden have contributed the following story. Deadly knife attack in France is terrorism, officials say. In Paris, France, less than two weeks after the beheading of a French schoolteacher, an assailant carrying a knife entered the towering neo-Gothic basilica in the southern city of Nice and killed three people with a knife. That further inflamed tensions in a country already on the edge and leading authorities to increase their terrorism threat level. Officials in Nice described the attack as an Islamist terrorist attack, and it was quickly followed by two similar events, including a, you ready for it? Knife-wielding assailant outside a French consulate in Saudi Arabia, though it was not immediately clear whether the events were coordinated. The mayor of Nice, Christian Astrosi told reporters on Thursday that a suspect who has not been identified was arrested after being shot and wounded by French police. The suspect kept repeating, Allo Akbar! Allo Akbar! in front of us, even though he was sedated, according to Mr. Astrosi, adding that this left no doubt 
about the motivation of the attack. Prime Minister Jean Castex, who might very well be related to your host, Steve Z, distantly, quickly announced that the authorities were placing the country on its highest terrorism threat level with heightened security at places of worship. Wait a minute. France allows places of worship to be open? They don't have a La Toilet Cantrell? They don't have a Andrew Cuomo? They don't have a, another type person shutting down their churches, their places of worship? I thought it was a global worldwide pandemic and that all the rules would apply evenly and be distributed fairly. If they can go to church, then why can't we go to church? Oh, sorry, but I digress. Prime Minister Jean Castex quickly announced that the authorities were placing the country on its highest terrorism alert threat level with heightened security at places of worship in response to the attack that he said would be firm and relentless. Unlike Democrat-run cities in the United States where attacks are rewarded and the victims' deaths are apologized for by Joe Biden and by Democrat mayors and Democrat governors. Monsieur Castex told lawmakers in Paris, this attack, which is as craven as it is barbaric, plunges the entire country into mourning. That's mourning, not mourning. Officials across the political spectrum condemn the attack, even French Muslim representatives. The killings in Nice come at an extremely sensitive time for France, which is still shaken by the beheading of that teacher, Miss Patty, or Patty, since that school teacher's killing by a young Muslim man offended that the school teacher had shown cartoons of the Prophet Muhammad in a class on free speech, French authorities have undertaken a broad crackdown against what they characterized as Muslim extremists in France. They've conducted dozens of raids, temporarily closed a major mosque, and disbanded a Muslim aid group that authorities have accused of advocating radical Islam and hate speech. Those measures have found widespread support in a nation still traumatized by Islamic State-inspired terrorist attacks in recent years, including two that killed a total of 200 people. President Emmanuel Macron has vowed that France will protect the right to caricature of the Prophet Muhammad, and it has drawn harsh criticism in the Muslim world. The tone of some of Mr. Macron's ministers one of them said he objected to kosher and halal aisles in supermarkets, has left the country's Muslim population of 6 million people feeling increasingly alienated. I got an idea, Muslims in France. If you don't like it in France, go back to wherever it is you came from, some place other than France. While it is not yet clear whether the attack on Thursday was carried out in response to government measures, it immediately fortified calls among French authorities for even tougher efforts to combat Islamic extremism in ways that are almost certain to deepen the polarization of that country, France. Monsieur Macron himself has vowed to crack down on what he called Islamist separatism with a range of measures aimed at countering extremism within the Muslim community. After the attack in Nice, the largest church in the city, France's anti-terrorism prosecutor said the office has opened an investigation into several terrorism-related offenses. Two of the victims were killed in the church. Third died while taking refuge nearby in a bar. 
Anyway, the bottom line is a knife attack in France is a big news deal. A black thug getting killed while wielding a knife in the United States is seen as systemic racism on the part of cops. By the way, the race of the two cops who did the shooting have not been released, which means they were probably black cops. Just saying. Maybe a little investigation of that will reveal the fact that the double standard is again alive and well in media-biased reporting on such incidents. This is the Truth Hurts program. When you stop and think about the massive imbalance in media coverage, there really is a deficit against the conservative political spectrum in our nation. The purpose of this program is to add some much-needed weight to the right side of a poorly balanced media equation, which is heavily biased towards the liberal, communist, Marxist and socialist agenda. With so few voices speaking out for the continuation of America as a free and democratic republic, one man has taken upon his shoulders the mantle of leadership in the imparting of knowledge to bolster the conservative point of view. This is the Truth Hurts program. Your broadcast specialist is here to inform, educate and enlighten you. The incomparable Steve Z. Turning to one of their pages of their dirty Democrat political playbook, the Democrats have now resorted to underhanded, dirty, filthy tricks in South Carolina's Senate race, where they've put up a candidate against Lindsey Graham. Bill Bledsoe is the third-party candidate in the hotly contested Senate race between GOP Senator Lindsey Graham and Democrat Jamie Harrison. And he, Bill Bledsoe, has a message for South Carolinans. Do not vote for me, Bill Bledsoe. What? Harrison's campaign and several Democratic outside groups opposing Lindsey Graham have elevated Bledsoe in television ads this month in an effort to siphon off conservative voters who may be dissatisfied with Graham, potentially boosting Harrison's chances against the three-term senator in the deeply red state. It's not an unusual tactic to elevate third-party candidates in tight races where just a few percentage points could make a difference, and public polling this month has shown the race to be highly competitive. The effort in South Carolina has become very volatile since Mr. Bledsoe suspended his campaign on October 1st. It was too late for him to be removed from the ballot, and he turned around and endorsed Lindsey Graham. On Wednesday, Graham's campaign released an open letter from Bledsoe condemning the effort to try and win him votes from the Harrison letter. Quote, I am no longer running for the U.S. Senate and any effort to encourage people to support me, Bill Bledsoe, is deceptive, underhanded, and wrong, calling the ads dirty tricks from Harrison and radical liberals. That pushback, however, may be coming a bit too late. South Carolinians have been inundated with several different ads hyping Bledsoe's conservative credentials in recent weeks. Harrison's campaign released an ad earlier this month saying Graham had changed after 25 years in Washington, calling Bledsoe too conservative by highlighting the issues of guns, abortion, and support for President Trump. This week, two outside groups picked up the mantle. 
Duty and Country, a super PAC run by allies of minority leader Chuckles Schumer, ran an ad on Tuesday, also hitting Graham as a 25-year Washington insider who attacks Trump, and featured a clip of Lindsey Graham criticizing the president during the 2016 primary. The ad identifies Harrison as a Democrat who supports Obamacare and calls Bledsoe too conservative, pro-life, pro-gun, pro-Trump. The Lincoln Project, an anti-Trump group run by former Republican operatives, also ran an ad on Tuesday highlighting Bledsoe as a real-deal conservative. Bledsoe's not on the ballot! How sneaky, underhanding, and really dirty is that tactic? The open letter from Bledsoe condemning the effort to win him votes is, is not likely to outmatch the television ads elevating him. So Graham's campaign has also tried to blunt the impact in the airwaves. His campaign released its own ad this week, highlighting local news coverage of Harrison's ad, with narrator calling it a brazen attempt to mislead voters and pointing out Bledsoe's endorsement of Graham. Harrison's campaign, however, made no apologies for their messages. Jamie Harrison has two opponents on the ballot, and we're making sure voters know the facts about each and about Jamie before they vote, said Guy King, a spokesman for Harrison's campaign. The Democrats will stop at nothing, nothing short of dirty, sneaky, lying, filthy, underhanded tactics to try and push their liberal, radical, immoral, and unethical agenda. This is the Truth Hurts program. In life, when all is said and done, usually more is said than is ever done. Much of what is said is drivel. Useless information and collections of utterances which have zero bearing on life as we know it. The purpose of this program is to provide you, our loyal listener, with relevant facts and topical opinions on a wide range of topics. With that said, here is a man with his finger on the pulse of common sense and truth. Our thought leader and purveyor of fact and bulk, Steve Z. Dr. Anthony Fauci says it could be 2022 before the United States sees some semblances of normality. The top infectious disease so-called expert, Dr. Anthony Fauci, said on Wednesday that it might be 2022 until America returns to normal. During a University of Melbourne panel discussion, Fauci said it's possible to have a substantial portion of the people who won't receive a vaccination until the second or third quarter of next year, even if the U.S. gets a vaccine in the next couple of months. He says, I think it will be easily by the end of 2021 and perhaps even into the next year before we start having some semblances of normality. We're not in a good place, he added. We're averaging 70,000 cases a day and that's a bad position to be in. He's also encouraged Americans who want to avoid another shutdown to wear a mask. But you never know what to believe with this clown because he said don't wear a mask for many months. Then he said wear a mask. So, I don't know. What is it, expert Fauci? If you don't want to shut down, at least do the fundamental basic things, which are really the flagship of which is wearing a mask, Fauci said. We can't have this very inconsistent wearing that you see, like when he did not wear a mask in the baseball stadium after the cameras stopped focusing on him. It's a double standard, y'all. He says, we can't have this very inconsistent wearing that you see where you see some states that absolutely refuse to wear a mask. 
His comments come amid surging cases of coronavirus in small pockets of the country, even as the seven-day daily case count measured 75,000, according to the New York Slimes. Johns Hopkins University reported the average number of new cases is up 21% compared to last week, but testing only jumped 6.63% in the same period, according to a CNN analysis of the COVID tracking project, negating the argument that more testing is leading to more cases. Several states are struggling this month with 29 documenting record single-day case counts and 11 measuring record single-day death counts. 40 states as of Wednesday recorded 10% or more new cases this week when compared to the previous week. Nine states remain steady. Missouri was the only state with 10% fewer cases when compared with the week before. Well, I don't know what to believe, but expect a miracle if Joe Biden wins. They'll suddenly say, it's not as bad as we thought. And they'll say, Joe Biden's handling this rather well. And that'll be that. And that will be this, this edition of the Truth Hurts program, that is. Time to go. So we shall see you next time. In the meantime, wash your hands, wear a mask, and stay six feet apart. And stay much farther apart from any liberal Democrats. I'm Steve Z. We'll see you next time. You have been listening to the Truth Hurts program with your host, Steve Z. Thank you for listening. We hope that this presentation has enlightened you to the things that may have been hidden from you. This is where we bring darkness to light, turn fiction into reality, and exercise our First Amendment right to free speech. Here is where the double standard is exposed and displayed for all to see. We sincerely hope that we've helped you to open your eyes to what's going on in the real world. The Truth Hurts program is produced at Studio 63 in Bayou Country in affiliation with Steve Knight Productions. Background music by Jason Shaw and Audionautics. No animals were harmed in the making of this program. It is fact. It is real. It is truth. And sometimes the truth hurts. (laughs) 